Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to RiskWise. My name is Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Saeed. Great to be here. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us once again. You say the Another same ad- thing every single time. Yeah, man. So it's a routine. Hands up in the air, too. Yeah, I know. We got to mix it up, though. We have to have some more interesting introductions. Nah, consistency. I think consistency wins. Nah, I, I beg to differ. Okay, well, well, some one of these days I'm going to just com- completely mix it up and not tell you, and let's see how you respond. You kind of do that every day, but you know, I'll <laughs> let that one go. I haven't had Risk Nation in a long time. Uh, kind of miss it. Oh, God. All right. Q&A. Risk, Risk Nation. We have another question from a listener. Yes. So, listener asked, I'd like to learn more about financial planning. I've made a lot of poor decisions regarding how I use my money, and I'm working towards getting married to a good person, and we both have debt. I'd like to have a game plan with my potential spouse so that we enter the marriage with a way forward in terms of paying off our debt, saving, and having investments. Gender neutral terms. Interesting. Why why'd you choose that? I don't know. Does it not does it matter? No. Nah, I, really. I mean I mean we I'm know the, the questioner's gender. I don't know. I just didn't want to color the answer. Um but maybe it's important to note. I don't know. It's not important to note at all. I just like the fact that um we have both genders, male males and females are asking questions. It's great. About marriage too. We've had questions about marriage from both sides. Oh which is, yeah, which that's is a, true. Which is excellent. The yes. more more people need to be asking these questions before they get married. Yeah. So uh, props to the questioner this year or this uh, week for asking these questions before they're married and saying that they want to enter the marriage with a game plan. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, it's the way to be. I think everybody should do that. Have these conversations before uh, the whole process of wedding and marriage gets underway, so you kind of know what you're getting into. It's awkward, but it needs to happen. It'll happen eventually, so it should happen sooner rather than later. Well, and let's let's step on that for a minute, Saeed, because you you mentioned this to me before. What is the number one cause of divorce? Oh yeah, finance. It's finance, right? It's just so there's three uh, major changes in married uh, in a marital couple's life that cause divorce: finance, uh, change of job, and. I think it's either house or kids is the third one. I can't remember exactly. But uh, financial problems, number one cause, by far. And it's it's kind of obvious right? why, right? Because it's 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 money is, you know, we're going to talk about money today in answering this question, but it's about really? much more than money. I didn't know we were going to talk about money. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know? Sorry, I didn't send you the memo. <laughs> um, but it's, it's not about money per se, right? Everything that we're going to talk about is connected to your values and what you believe is important and how you prioritize the different things in your life. Yeah. So the questioner, she is asking about financial planning and how to have all those big things, you know, pay off the debt, savings, have investments. Now, the easy answer would be just to go back to episode one and start listening from the beginning because the way that we, and we have a lot of new people listening to the podcast. So I think it's important that we reiterate some of this. Yeah. The way that Saeed and I designed the podcast, at least the initial content was to be really a, a foundational and comprehensive, uh, education on financial planning for Muslims. Right. That was the goal. So if you start listening from episode one and then you continue on, you'll see there's a very clear thread 
a very clear trajectory and there's progress in how each topic is built one after the other. And the goal is to give you that foundational understanding and the tools to, to then go ahead and do that financial planning. So go ahead and do that. We'll spend a few minutes here and now kind of giving you the crash course in a few minutes. Okay. That's you. Okay. <laughs> um, so the quest to answer this question, I mean, how do you talk about um, building a financial plan that you and your spouse or future spouse can get around? Um, I think that what we have outlined in RiskWise from the beginning is that we need to have an understanding of what we want to accomplish in our lives and therefore what of those major things that we want to accomplish are going to require money. So we've illustrated in the past, and again, go back to the episodes to listen to how we've, how we've illustrated them in detail, but we've illustrated in the past the idea of having big goals, your big rocks be placed first. Have them be the foundational things that you want every day, whether it is you know retirement or having a house that's paid off in full, paying, helping your parents financially, charity, uh, being out of debt, whatever those big rocks are, those big goals that is where your money should be going first. You should make those a priority and not the last thing that happens because it sounds strange, but what happens with most people is the savings and the debt repayment always happens at the end where we pay our bills, we spend our money on coffee and lunches and going out with our friends. And then if money is left over at the end of the month, then we'll actually use a bit of that towards our big rocks. And that's really backwards. Why would you put leftover money to the things that are absolutely fundamentally the most important goals in your life. It doesn't make sense, but that's what everybody does. So start by figuring out what your big rocks are, how much they're going to cost you today in order to make the, to make them happen. So if you want to be debt-free, it sounds like uh, the questioner has uh, some debt and her future husband has some debt. When do you want to have that paid off? How much can you put there every month? Therefore, how long is it going to take you? to get that paid off and track it. Make sure that every month you hold yourself accountable to putting that amount of money, let's say it's $400 a month towards debt. Every month you want to make sure that you're putting that towards debt before you have you take money and you go out shopping or you, you know, buy food or go out to eat or go out with your friends. The big rocks have to come first and everything else will fall in line afterwards. Um, another big thing in order to make those big rocks happen is where do you find that 400 bucks? Well, you got to know where you're spending. You got to create the B word that everybody hates and that's a budget. Where is your money going right now before you've gotten yourself into any kind of discipline? What's the baseline spending? You hold, on, keep- hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you advocating for budgeting? I'm, <laughs> I thought you forgot about that episode. Um, <laughs> and go back to the episode on um, how to build a budget that works. I think it's called. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll see why I bring this up. Cause see, then I had a bit of a, an argument, a very public spectacle of an argument <laughs> in that episode. Wow. I mean, you remember every argument, don't you? Okay. Um, it, it's it's not that I advocate for the traditional – I do not advocate for the traditional form of budgeting, which is build yourself a spreadsheet and track every penny that you spend. It's not that I don't like that. That's obviously ideal, but nobody does it. And because nobody does it, we have to come up with something that's better. 
But no matter what system we come up with to control the amount of money that leaks out of your wallet and your bank account every month, because everybody has that. We have this drain of money. It goes out to these meaningless things that we don't like, you know, I'm sure everybody's had that feeling where they've gone back, they're logged into their bank, they're looking at their transactions, they're like, oh my God, how come I have a lot less money than I thought I did? And then they go back at their transactions and they look at a few things and then they're thinking, when did I spend that? That is the, if you watch the video on the, in the um, Big Rocks episode, um, that's the, the sand, the stuff that's meaningless that you have no recollection of, but it costs you money. And that's the stuff that we want to eliminate. In order to eliminate it, though, we have to have a baseline. We need to know where your money is going right now. Just right now, let's go back at your last month's bills, open up your bank accounts and credit cards or whatever you spend your money on and itemize everything that you've spent and what categories they're in. How you do it doesn't really matter. And we outlined a few different ways to do that in that episode. It just has to get done. How you do it doesn't matter. It just has to get done. So you create a budget as a baseline, but you I don't think you keep that budget every month going forward because I know nobody does. So I'm not going to advocate for something that they're not going to do. I'll advocate for other methods that we talked about in that episode. So yeah, go back to that episode about budgeting. But you need to do something like that to know where your money is going because the ultimate goal is to make your money go or work in your favor and make the money that, that you earn go towards your big rocks. So know where it's be bleeding, know where it's going that's meaningless to you because those little things that you're spending money on are not nearly as important or shouldn't be nearly as important as getting out of debt, building savings, and building yourself a future. Um, and yeah. And I think there's... The See, this is really good timing. And the reason why we like getting questions from people who are at this stage in life is because this is when you should be asking these questions. Most people only come to the realization that there are you know, financial issues or that they're not on the same page with their spouse when the issues come to the surface, which is often years into a marriage and years into their you know, kind of professional lives. Oh, man. And that's, you know, that and it's not that it's not... It's not that the problem can't be solved at that stage. It's just much more complicated, right? You're dealing with a clean slate, which is an incredible thing, right? A clean slate. And you can sit down with your potential spouse and you can ask yourselves, look, what are our lives going to look like? What are we doing for the next, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years? What are the things that are important to us? What do we want to achieve? And that's why I said this is about money, but it's not about money. It's about much more than money. It's about your life and how you're going to choose to live it. And then secondarily, what kind of you know, financial resources you're going to require to live that life. Right. Money is a means to an end. And that's kind of what the show, a lot of it is about, that we're not just here telling you how to be rich and how to make money for no reason. Um, you know, Money is a means to an end, and that's why we, we need it, and that's why we are going to be using it towards our advantage. So if you want to learn more about how to plan, those are the big things that you have to worry about. Know what you guys want out of life. Figure out how much it's going to cost um, to make those things a reality, and diligently make sure you put that first. Your money goes there absolutely first. Now, she did talk about debt specifically. So she said she has debt and her husband has debt. Yeah. Um, and it's, it seems like paying off that debt is a priority as it should be. Yeah. What, what else do we want to say about that? Um, debt is uh, paying off debt is a great, absolutely great uh, goal to have. Um, you know, we can argue whether that's even a big rock, though, because paying off debt is not really, I don't think, 
an actual destination that you you know want to actually be permanently maybe that came out wrong that itself is being debt free is not a destination it's a stop it's a moment in time where you will have no debt inshallah and you will never have debt again actually i should say that in many cases debt is kind of like losing weight or you may you may have gone through or you know people who have gone through the struggle of losing weight getting it back losing weight getting it back debt can be the same way you can pay it off and then six months later be back into debt it's not something that once you're done, you're done. Inshallah, you will be. But be cognizant of that, that it's very easy to get back into debt. If it was easy to get into debt in the first place, it's easy to get back into debt later on. And I've seen that in my practice often. Here's, here's one way to look at it. I don't think you have the luxury of even thinking about big rocks while you're in debt. Right. Let, no, 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 let me frame that. You should be thinking about it no matter what. But you don't have the luxury of making any kind of significant progress towards your big life goals if you're in debt. You have to get yourself out of debt first, and then you create the bandwidth to have that that kind of that bigger discussion on what you want to achieve. And yeah, and I agree, getting out of debt and staying out of debt are two very, very different things. Because again, you know, if you didn't listen to the episode on habit formation and financial habits, go back and listen to that one because what we say there is in a nutshell, old habits die hard. So you can get out of debt, but if the habits that got you there in the first place are not addressed, are not rooted out and are not replaced with better habits, then you're going to end up in the same place. Yeah. Like if you have an impulse to buy stuff that shows up from Amazon in your email inbox, and you see things with a deal sticker on it, and you you kind of impulsively buy stuff at that point in time, that's a habit that needs to be broken. And they know that that's a habit that you have formed, which is why they're sending you those emails with the stuff that you've been buying recently. And we, and we don't know what kind of debt, she, she didn't mention, oh, I just gave her her gender. Oops. Yeah. Uh, no, she didn't I did, mention I did, what kind of debt. I did it a few times. It's you okay. did it? Okay. Yeah, gender's okay. So, I'm happy. I'm happy that we were getting question, questions from everybody. For sure. Um, so we don't know what kind of debt it is. I mean, if it's student debt, then that's something different. That's not a habitual form of debt. That's something that you incurred as a student and you should try to pay it off as fast as possible. And we've mentioned a few things that you can do in that regard. I know um, a few PhDs that would disagree with that, but in any case. What do you mean? Oh, just one degree after another. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> student debt so is a habit. It's a, yeah, habit. <laughs> it's a habitual um, form of incurring debt. No, that's interesting. Um but if it's something like consumer debt, like credit card debt or a line of credit, um, then especially with credit card debt, you need to be taking some very drastic action because that's very habitual. It's very easy to swipe plastic. Now you don't even have to swipe, right? Now you just tap. Now you got Amazon one click, you got PayPal, like everything, like charging your credit card is a click away. And of course, when you when you pay by credit or plastic, it doesn't feel like you're spending money. It doesn't feel like your you know, cash is leaving your wallet or money is leaving your bank account. And that's why it's so dangerous. So if credit cards are a problem, and I know they're a problem for a lot of people. We've got a lot of questions about credit card debt. Yeah, we should do another episode on that. Sure. Um, but bottom line, if that's an issue and, and you know that's where your debt is coming from, they have to go. You have to cut them up. And that's hard. And it creates um, some anxiety anxiety and inconveniences, right? Because it's convenient to pay by credit for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but that's what you have to do to get over that. Let's and do maybe, an maybe at that. a certain point, you can bring them back. 
Um, certainly, like prepaid credit cards are safer than than other credit cards, so that's that's an alternative. But mm-hmm. you you do have to take some drastic action there if credit cards are an issue. Yeah, it's really difficult to admit that that's an issue, really. But if you're here and we're asking questions, that's great. Um, so. Yeah. So as I was saying before, debt being debt free is not the end in itself. It's a destination on the road to financial security. So being out of debt is, should be one of your very first stops, inshallah. But then beyond that, we need to be saving, building investments, building savings, building emergency funds, which the questioner uh, recognized in her question that that's the end goal so that, that uh, she and her husband eventually want to get into. And that's what, kind of what we want to re- reiterate for sure. Um, we had one more point on this uh, episode that we, that we could talk about if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, this could take forever. <laughs> yeah. and, and we could get into a lot of trouble. We can get into so much trouble here. Uh, that generally doesn't deter me. <laughs> so uh, l- let's talk about it for a couple of minutes. Okay. okay. So you're getting married. Yeah. And one of the, I mean, from my perspective, from a man's perspective, one of the annoyances about getting married is having a wedding <laughs> oh that, that came out that came out better than i thought it was going to <laughs> and that's a very male perspective right it's yeah. yeah yeah it's just it's expensive and it's a production and i don't really care for it but that's me regardless if you're in a position where you're getting married and debt is already an issue debt is already an issue you cannot afford to overspend on a wedding. What overspending means is going to be different for everybody. And we've heard, we've got some feedback um, from people who are saying that it's, you know, family obligation and, you know, I can't not do this. My parents would be devastated and all that stuff. Um, I think, you know, all that is still true and we have to recognize the sensibilities of culture and parents, but some reality needs to be put in here, which, you know, the reality that comes to weddings is that they can be, astronomically expensive. I've seen weddings go well past uh, $100,000 in total cost. I've seen some that have touched into the $200,000 mark in total cost for wedding festivities. Well, so let, let, let's let's really come to terms with those realities right now. Let's be really explicit. Okay. Sure. sure. So in this case, the questioner has debt, right? Yeah. So we one can assume that there's not a lot of savings because right. there's debt. And if there were savings, then the debt would probably go away, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. I would, yeah. So there's not a ton of money sitting around for uh, a yeah, lavish wedding, right? right? So how are we going to pay for this wedding? Either we're going to incur, incur more debt, which I hope is obviously not a good idea. Right. Or we're going to borrow from parents. Yeah. Well, either borrow or have the parents pay for the wedding, which is right. common, right? So, sure. you know, if you want to borrow money from your parents, you know, interest-free and then pay them back later, okay, it's still debt. You still have to pay them back and you probably shouldn't be taking too much of it. And if you're going to borrow money from your parents to pay for your wedding, I think it'd be better to borrow to pay off your debt than right. to pay for the wedding. Yeah. And if your, if parents, your parents are going to pay for yeah. it, mm-hmm. your parents are going to pay for the wedding on their own and they have the money and they have the resources, then that's that's one thing. And, and if they're happy to do it and if they feel it's important and, and they want to do this for you, then great. But quite often, the parents, I find, are compelled to pay for these weddings because of cultural expectations and social expectations, even if they don't have the money for it. Yes, I've seen that many and, times. And I think Saeed touched on this. Like there's... 
it's a painful conversation to have with the parents to say that, you know, we want to pare this thing down and we don't want to invite our third cousins once removed um, <laughs> because there's a hundred of them yeah. to the wedding because we want to have a small wedding. We want to keep it, you know, practical and not too, um, not too expensive. That's not an easy conversation to have in most families, most cultures. But what's even more painful is that conversation when your parents are now burdened with this massive debt from your wedding. Right. And they're facing retirement and all kinds of issues that nobody really thought through when you were picking the hall and the centerpieces. Yeah. And the reason we didn't think through it was because we were just one track minded, just solving problems linearly and not looking at the big picture. And Ahmed, I completely agree with you. There are many, many cases that I know of from clients where the nobody had this conversation. Everybody's financially burdened and everybody wishes that it was smaller. Like there's no winners here. But everybody thinks that, you know, they're doing it and they're spending the money almost recklessly for somebody else. And everybody's doing it for somebody else. And even the person that you're doing it for, they're saying that it's for somebody else. So who are we really doing this for? Uh, I think that that we need to come to terms with the reality of the world and finance and that it's okay to prioritize being debt-free and starting your marriage on a good setting and a good foot because... Finance is one of the leading causes of divorce and, you know, divorce rates among Muslims is on the rise. Finance is one of those reasons that divorce happens in the, in the Muslim world too. So we're not immune to the problems that, that happen out there in society. Why add to those problems by A, starting with debt and B, starting with even more debt that has been created because of the wedding, either in your hands or in your parents'. And you're not going to remember, honestly, like, I, mean, I guess, again, this is a male perspective. Exactly. But I think my wife would agree with me on this, and maybe she's not normal um, in a good way. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I really don't think years down the road you're going to remember the centerpieces and the flower arrangement and whether your third cousin once removed was there, and um, you know, all the other frivolous details. What you're going to remember is, inshallah, you married the right person. That's first and foremost, the most, exactly. That's the most thing, and, and that's that the your close thing. family was there, and the people that you really, really care about. And I would really, kind of question whether you really truly care about you know 600 people uh, right. it's maybe nice to have a large wedding and i'm not i have nothing against that if you can afford it right but Which to go into question huh can you afford no something? yeah well we've got to have that's another that's another thing altogether right what does that yeah. even mean can i afford yeah. it exactly. sure i can afford it easy answer <laughs> i have a hundred thousand dollars living on my credit card of course i can afford it yeah so look ultimately what you're going to remember down years down the road is is who you married and the the blessedness of that occasion and your close family and your close friends that's what matters it's not all the frivolous details and usually it's the frivolous details that end up costing the most amount of money yeah it adds up you know you get your food at a certain plate cost and then everything else is a thousand bucks here two thousand bucks there five thousand bucks there and before you know it, the, the cost that you thought you were going to be spending has doubled and you got no idea where it all went and it's difficult to backtrack. So really, this is a difficult conversation. I've, I know people who have had this conversation with not just their family, like, you know, very traditional family, but with their friends and they had very non-traditional weddings that cost a fraction of what a regular banquet hall, you know, affair would cost. And Yeah, like yours, which I wasn't invited to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay. Uh, and and uh, I didn't really know you that well. Anyways, um, they they 
they they came out with this this uh, completely different outside the box kind of wedding that has become the most memorable wedding that their friends have ever been to at a fraction of the cost. And they didn't do it, you know, I'm going to do something different. Oh, and yay, it just happens to be cheaper. No, they went into it like I'm going to put a hard cap of $5,000 on the whole thing. Now i got to be creative about what I do with it. And that's what they ended up doing. And it was not just an incredibly affordable wedding that they got married and they were exceptionally like non-financially burdened by it at, at that price. But the amazing uh, consequence was that everybody loved it. It was so non-traditional. Everybody loved it. So, you know, force yourself to be a little bit creative. Think about this wedding critically in the state of finance that, you know, you're in and that maybe your parents and your spouse's parents are in, inshallah. So I think we're pretty good at this. I would really encourage people to send us more of their questions about marriage and relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what our wives would say about that, but um, sure. Well, we're not going to send them this episode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Anything else? No, I mean, it's a great question. And uh, I, I actually feel like the questioner did listen to a few of the, the older episodes. But uh, if you if you haven't, then take a look. From the beginning, we, we outlined this in a trajectory from, you know, they're, they're very sequential. So if you're starting here and you haven't listened to the beginning, start there. Go back. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like it, it may come across as if we're like, you know, targeting the questioner, uh, which is really not the intention. And to be perfectly frank, like if you're asking this question, you're in good shape. Like, yeah, inshallah, we have a lot of hope in you because most people are not asking these questions. And we, you know, sometimes we're frank in our answers and we don't mean that to be in any way critical of your personal situation, but rather I think the reality is that most people are in that situation and we kind of want people to sit up and take notice and, and take action like you have. So exactly. good on you for asking the question, you know, inshallah, you're taking the right steps and uh, on behalf of RiskWise, we wish you and your future spouse um, the best of both worlds, inshallah. Inshallah. Mabrook, by the way. Yes. And with that, assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.